You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. So if you have a Bible, open it to John eleven seventeen. And if you don't have a Bible, there's some in the back on the tables. If you don't own one, you can have that, or you can look along on the screen as well. So in John 11, we learn that Jesus has some friends. And their names are Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Jesus had friends just like we have friends. And the Bible says that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. But in John chapter 11, we learn that Lazarus has died. And and here's where we pick up in this historical account in verse 17 of chapter 11. Jesus tells his disciples that we're going to go to the place where Lazarus is buried. Look at verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. So they leave where they've been as disciples and they journey, they walk most likely, to where Lazarus was buried in a place called Bethany. Okay? Look at verse 18 with me. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. So apparently when, from this text and many others, Like when Jesus travels, when Jesus is on the move, word gets out, word spreads. So Martha had heard that Jesus is on the way. And when she hears that, she runs to meet him in her grief. Her brother had died. Now, I want us to pay careful attention to their conversation. This could be one of the most important conversations that the world has ever known and ever recorded. Look at verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Martha's just giving a beautifully powerful statement about Jesus. That he, she believes that he has the power to raise the dead. Even now, Martha testifies to this. She believes that even now he, he can do all things. The beautiful statement of trust, faith. Look at what Jesus says. Verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Well, Martha doesn't quite get it. Look at how she responds in in verse 24. And, And we shouldn't blame her. Look at verse 24. She says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So so what is she getting at here? Well, in ancient Jewish context, there were many different beliefs about resurrection. So the Sadducees were a religious group. 
and they, be, they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead, okay? The Pharisees, though, they did. And they were the, known as the Bible guys. And they were the ones that did most of the Bible teaching. <clears throat> and so she's just recounting here what she had learned as a faithful Jewish person at this time, that there's going to be a resurrection at the end of all known history. And that's what she's talking about, the day of judgment. That's what Martha means. And then Jesus says something shocking to her. Jesus tells her, Jesus tells her that the future has broken into the present. Jesus tells her that the future that she longs for is standing right in front of her. The future that she longs for has broken into the present. Look at verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. So Martha, you're thinking about future. I am the future. I am the future. I am the resurrection and the life. Verse 25. Now, what, what does that mean? Like, that's quite the claim if it's not true, right? This is what, like, crazy cult leaders say. My family and I, we just watched the most recent Netflix documentary on the event that took place in, 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 in um, Waco, Texas with David Koresh. He says things like this. Is that what Jesus is? And notice also the nuance of what Jesus says here in contrast to almost every other religion in the world. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, I can teach you the way to get to resurrection. I can show you the path to resurrection and life. See, there's a big difference between saying, I can get you to the destination, and saying, I am the destination. Jesus is saying, I am the destination. Like, that's way more controversial. Most religions are, are the former. Do A, B, C, and D, and then you'll get this. Like, I, I, like the religious teacher can show you the way, but Jesus says, I am the way. It's not like an external thing. He's focusing it all on himself. See that? I am the resurrection and the life. Well, you might be sitting there wondering, maybe you're new to your Bible, maybe you're new to Christianity, maybe you, you came this morning and, and you don't even know if you're a Christian, or you know that you're not a Christian. And we're, we're glad that everyone's here this morning. And you might be thinking, well, what does that mean? It kind of sounds abstract. Like, why would Jesus say, I am the resurrection and the life? Well, thankfully, he tells us. Thankfully, he tells us. Look at verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. What does that mean, Jesus? Here's what it means. Whoever believes in me, though he die, 
yet shall he live. Verse 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die, shall never die. So Jesus is saying, if you die physically with belief in Jesus, you'll experience life, resurrection from the dead to eternal life with him in the new heavens and the new earth. And if you're alive when he returns a second time and believe in him, you'll never taste death death physically. He's saying, as he stands with a woman grieving the death of Lazarus, he's saying, yes, death is a problem. It's strange, and you feel powerless against it, but there is a solution to this. And he says, it's me. I'm the solution to this problem, this problem of death, this grief that you're feeling, right? And he he wants her to know that this is not the end. This is not the final statement. This is not the period at the end of a sentence. It's a comma. Death is not the horrible ending that leaves us empty and unsatisfied. Death can be overcome. Death came into this world because we sinned against God. The Bible says when we sin, we are owed debt. We're, it's, it's, it's what we're owed. Physical death and spiritual death, eternal separation from God. But Jesus says to Martha right here and to us today, all who have ears to hear, that's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. And then he asks her the million-dollar question. Look at the end of verse 26. He asks the million-dollar question to Martha and to everyone else who has read this account in all the centuries that have come after it. He simply asks her, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Like this is the Christian question. This is the Christian question. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe this? Now, here's where we have to tread very carefully because we have to articulate. Like, if, if, if that's the million dollar question, then we have to know what those words mean. And the problem is our English word, belief, carries with it some things that the Bible does not have in mind, okay? Now, this is huge when it comes to being a Christian or becoming a Christian. So in the Bible, belief is not just like intellectual assent. You know what I mean by that? Like, I believe that water is wet. I believe that the sun rose on us this morning. I believe that all the snow that we got a month ago is now melted, right? See, that's not how the Bible talks about belief. Those things are just simply truth claims that I assent to, but doesn't really affect my life in any meaningful, meaningful way. Belief in the Bible is this. Belief that Jesus is talking about with Martha is this. Belief for anybody who is a Christian or wants to become a Christian is this. It centers on two words that I think are most helpful. Trusting and treasuring. Trusting in Jesus 
and treasuring Jesus. That's really what the Bible means by belief. It's the opposite of apathy. Like, I know facts about things, and I'm apathetic about them. I can know facts, but those facts don't really affect my life that much. Belief in the Bible is trusting and treasuring Jesus. Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? Meaning, do you trust it? Do you treasure it? Now, let's, let's, let's break that down a little bit. Belief means trusting. It's kind of like this. Has, has anyone ever bungee jumped before? So, yeah, don't be shy. Let's, let's see the hands. Anybody bungee jumped? We got one. We got one. There's really only one person in this room who's bungee jumped. Two. Elliot, you're not raising your hand. I was there when you did. <laughs> I've got the video to prove it. Um, so bungee jumping is quite the experience. And, and biblical belief, like our word trust, is like this. Like you trust that those bungee cords are going to, they're going to hold you up, right? You're not going to go face first into whatever is below. They're going to hold you, right? Trust like trusting the bungee cords when you bungee jump. Like if you believe in the bungee cords, off the bridge you go, right? Belief isn't really belief if you say, yeah, of course I believe the bu those bungee cords will hold me when I jump. Yeah, I mean, look at them. I mean, they're, they look strong and everyone else did just fine that went before me, but I don't really need to jump. Like, I'm good. That's not belief as the Bible defines it. Belief is, yes, I believe in those bungee cords, and yes, here I go, and I'm off. Belief looks like something in real life, right? It looks like Jumping into a relationship with Jesus, following him as the ultimate point of orientation in my life, trusting his word that through repentance and faith in him, he can save me from my sin and give me eternal life with him. That's what belief in Jesus looks like. It looks like the jump, like, like I'm jumping into the arms of Jesus and he will hold me. He will take care of me. And, and so in light of that, that's the Christian question. Like Jesus might have said, if we use that analogy, Martha, are you willing to jump? Like that's the question for anybody in this room. Are you willing to jump? Belief in the Bible is like trusting in something, and it's also like treasuring that thing. Trusting and treasuring. Treasuring it like this, like I'm willing to sacrifice what it takes to get it because it's worth it. I see the beauty of it. I see the glory of it. I see the value of it. I'm willing to do what it takes to get it because it's my treasure, right? So it's like on my wedding day. I like believed in my wife 
when I asked her to marry me in the sense that she was and is a treasure to me. Meaning, I believe in her like I'm willing to sacrifice a lot to have her. She's a treasure to me, so I believe she's worth it to lay down my preferences for her, to share my money with her, to adjust my schedule for her, to lose some of my independence for her. I believe in her in the sense that she's worth it. She's a treasure to me. That's what the Bible means by belief. That Jesus is who he says he is. And we value it above all else. It's not intellectual assent that we have an option to be apathetic about. You with me? That's not a picture of belief that Jesus has in mind as he's talking to Martha here about death when it comes to her brother. Jesus is saying, do you trust and treasure that I am the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that I am the key that unlocks this problem of death that we experience every day? Do you believe that when you come to me, trusting me to pay the price for your sins on the cross and be raised from the dead to prove it all true, that death doesn't have the final say, do you believe when you come to me for this, that I will provide for you what I promise? Well, let's see how she answers. Look at verse 27. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who's coming into the world. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. There's much that she could have said in addition in terms of what the Bible says about who Jesus is. But this answer nails a lot of what the Bible says about who Jesus is and what he's done. Yes, Lord, I believe. I trust you. I treasure you. And and I think now would be a great time to ask, maybe if you're hearing this account for the first time, or if you were reading it for the first time many, many, many years ago, like, but Jesus said a lot of stuff here. Does he back it up? I mean, is he just talk and no walk? Well, look at this historical account. If you have a Bible, real quick, you can flip over to verse 43. It might also be on the screen. Like, why would you trust Jesus' words? Why would you have the audacity to treasure his words? Well, verse 43 says that Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus. And he prayed. And verse 43 says, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. You know what's fascinating is that Jesus doesn't like perform some wild incantation. It's not hocus pocus. It's not some dramatic ceremony. It's not like a a dance around the fire, praying for rain or whatever. Not some concoction of magic words. There's no Harry Potter wizardry here with just the right spell to cast. He just simply says, because he can, he commands the dead to be alive. Lazarus, come out. 
And what happens? It's real straightforward. The man who had died came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus proves right here in this historical account that he's worthy to be trusted. He's worthy to be treasured. If you don't believe the words, believe the deeds, right? And a few days after this, Jesus will prove it again. He'll prove it again, right? This is the central Christian claim. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, the Christianity rises and falls on that fact. The tomb is empty. He is not dead. He is alive. And the first converts to Christianity recorded all over the book of Acts is this repeated message that they just cannot get over. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. He is resurrected from the dead. He's proven it all true. So put your trust in him. Treasure him. He's the, 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 the hinge on which history moves. He's the, the key that unlocks why you exist, why you have breath in your lungs right now. It explains everything. What's the meaning of life? Why do I sit here this morning? Why am I created? Well, if Jesus is risen from the dead, it explains everything. You can trust him. You can come to him and treasure him. You can know that he will deal with and has dealt with your sin problem if you come to him turning from your sin, repenting of it, and trusting him to deal with it at his cross where he bore the wrath of God in your place and then proved it all true in his resurrection. This is the central Christian claim. And eternity hangs in the balance. Eternity hangs in the balance. What will you do with this Jesus? What will you do with this Jesus? What will you do with this tomb is empty? Like if there's any news that comes across your newsfeed on your phone or historically on a newspaper or on a herald 300 years ago on a street corner saying, hear ye, hear ye. If there's any news not to be apathetic about, it's this. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. Radical implications for all of our lives. Trust him. Treasure him. Many of you in this room today know this already to be true. And you've made this decision to follow Jesus and turn from your sin and trust him and what he did in his life, death, and resurrection to save anyone who would come to him. But maybe you need this morning to be reminded again that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Maybe there is ways that you really relate to Martha because there is death in your life experience right now. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member. And that weighs heavy. And Jesus says this morning that he is the resurrection and the life. That death that, that, is, that is close in your experience right now, 
it will not have the final word. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's more like a metaphor, like death of a relationship. Maybe it's death of a dream. Maybe it's just this brokenness in our world where in this deep sense of whatever you are facing, like, man, this is not the way it's supposed to be. It's everywhere. But in light of this word this morning, in light of Jesus proving through the history of the resurrection that he can be trusted, you can know that that situation that you face right now that might be the focal point of your headspace. It's all that you're thinking about. You can't shut off your brain. Jesus wants you to hear this morning, take heart. It will not always be so. It will not always be so. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. The question is, do you believe this? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this word that you have provided in your word. That we can trust and treasure you because you proved that you're worthy of it. If there's anyone here that today, Lord, that doesn't know that, Lord, I pray that they would seek out answers to the questions that they have. That you would move them that they would be able to see that you are worthy. Give eyes to see, give ears to hear. Lord, we pray that you would bring us from death to life spiritually. May you do that, Lord, in Madison and beyond. Lord, we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.